Within a short time after her retirement, Winifred's mind became that of a petulant child. Most of her care fell to Carolee, as Verdeline spent most of her time on headmistress duties, and Mary busied herself taking care of her two young boys. Carolee became increasingly disgusted with the old woman, yet couldn't help but remember the times Winifred had been a loving grandmother, doting on the twins, providing them with special treats and plenty of kind and tolerant attention. As time passed, Winifred became mistrustful of those around her. One day, while Carolee smoothed her grandmother's white hair with a fine silver hairbrush, Winifred turned and struck her in the face with an arthritic clawed hand. You brush too hard, she cried. I'm sorry, grandmother, Carolee said automatically. She wiped away blood that welled up from scratches Winifred's fingernails left in her cheek. I'll go slower, but I must get the tangles out. With all the time you spend in bed, doesn't matter how much I sleep. You pull hard because you want hair to make one of those dreadful memorials. You and your sisters can't wait until I'm gone. You're already planning, plodding, planting. Winifred had already forgotten what upset her. She chuckled. Almost time to plant peas. She paused with a big smile, then said, Sunday bullets. Wanting to bash Winifred's head in, Carolee quickly set the heavy brush down to keep from using it as a weapon. The times when Winifred became insolent and belligerent came more frequently. If Carolee had believed in God, she'd have asked him to take her grandmother away to heaven or hell, she didn't care which. A few months later, in 1879, while hurrying up the stairs of the house, Carolee broke one of the brass stair rods that held the runner down, and the rug sagged over the riser. She thought back to her childhood pranks on the slaves, and imagined what might happen if Winifred came upon the loose runner unawares. Carolee decided to ignore the danger and remain silent about the condition of the rug. She didn't see her grandmother's fall, but Carolee wondered if she'd have enjoyed watching the old crone take the tumble down the stairs. Carolee heard that her older sister had discovered Winifred lying helpless at the foot of the staircase. Verdeline called on the maintenance man, Joshua Webbert, to carry the old woman to her bed. The family doctor, Samuel Claytor, did little for Winifred, and she passed away the next morning. At the funeral, Carolee stood beside the grave after everyone left, wondering why she didn't feel anything for the loss of her grandmother. The common response of grieving seemed appropriate, yet even the fondest memories involving Winifred in happier times, the holidays, birthdays, special meals and events in which their grandmother made the twins the center of her world, weren't the least bit wistful. Instead, she felt giddy and had been trying to hide the feeling from those around her all day. Turning to leave the cemetery, she discovered Mary standing beside her. The two women looked so much alike that to see her sister was to see herself. But Carolee paused for a moment to consider her appearance in the sister mirror, looking for evidence of the missing grief. Mary's eyes were almond-shaped, blue, and lacked a certain warmth, humor, perhaps. They showed no grief. Mary's dark brown hair, worn much the way Carolee wore her own, 
was pulled back and secured with modest pins at the back of her head. Sober and intelligent in appearance, Mary's pale, round face had a high forehead, the long, straight, mortlone nose, and a small mouth held so primly that it had little more color than the rest of her face. Not one of Cupid's most powerful weapons, the thin bow of her lips opened to speak even as Carolee focused on them. She displeased the Lord in some way, and he struck her with madness, Mary said. You've done nothing he didn't want you to do. The fact that Mary was aware of a twin's role in Winifred's death was exhilarating to Carolee. The idea that God had used Carolee as his instrument, however, was foolishness. That she had taken a human life and suffered no repercussions seemed proof that there was no God. If the twins' unspoken pact to protect one another with silence held, there would never be any consequences.